if anyone could go third at the surf ranch, really good in Mexico and then win Tahiti, it's Kelly Slater. All right, and welcome back to the Stab Cusp. This is Michael Saramella, joined by my co-host Stace Galbraith. Um, we are heading into the Surf Ranch Pro. Is that what they're, they're calling it this year? I don't even remember. Yeah, you know what? You've actually stumped me there too. I think it's been the past. It's been called the Freshwater Pro. Um, I got told on the broadcast. Oh, no. Yeah, it's Surf Ranch Pro this time. The oh. Jeep Surf Ranch Pro. Aha! Uh-huh. So Jeep powered back. by Adobe. Aha! Uh-huh, yes, <laughs> it had to be powered by something. And uh, on the webcast, I was getting told not to call it the pool. So then I would always say something that would be more appropriate, like surf ranch or, or whatever I was told. And then the surfer would always say the pool. So, yeah, we're going. Why? That is this, like, did they give you any reasoning behind that? Because that to me just sounds like the silliest thing ever. It's like, don't call the sky blue. I think there's just certain things that probably they have, you know, marketing or guidelines around that they like to stick to and i could understand that because the pool does take away from how brilliant the actual wave is itself um it is pretty special but it doesn't it's a wave pool that's what it is it's like it is a wave pool that is what it was well that's not what it was originally created for but that's what it's become like like i know that there's obviously probably more backlash around this event from fans and even from surfers than any other event on tour which I understand people are totally entitled to their opinions. I personally, while it's not the most fun event to watch, I'm totally fine with a tour that encompasses one pool event because I think it is part of the future of our sport. And I think it's totally reasonable to expect surfers to compete in one of those a year. I think if you start pushing it beyond that, then I start getting pretty skeptical. But you can't just like pretend like you're not doing what you're doing. <laughs> like we're going to a wave pool. That's what we're doing. We're making it part of the sport. It's fine. Let's just fucking call it what it is. Yeah, I like that. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat with you there. And, and just getting back to what it is, is one of the funnest waves in the world. Like it's been a while since we've seen, you know, every pro in there, either, you know, warming up or getting ready. There's been bits and bobs of people surfing in there, but seeing the warm up clips come out of there and, it kind of had me, I didn't think I'd be that stoked, but then I was watching, uh, you know, Malia sent me a couple of clips, uh, Dunphy sent me a couple of clips, and I'm like, wow, it's actually, you know, for the first couple of turns out there, it's so fun. It, the the tube section on the, the right, now they've changed the setting a little bit, it's a little bit bigger, and it's a proper tube, it's sick. No, the tubes are stupid, and watching it is impossible, but... We did post a clip of Gabriel Medina on the Stab Instagram a couple weeks ago. That was just like, holy shit. Like, he is truly just a beast out there. And the only other person that's really, like, on his plane, I guess, would be Felipe. Um, We know that Gabriel's won the only two CT events out there. Felipe's gotten second at both of those. You could argue that Felipe actually kind of got hard done last year because or in 2019 because he was so injured he couldn't even surf his last wave like he looked absolutely on fire those are the only two guys that i'm like i really want to see what they're going to do on this wave actually i like griffin and i like kanoa as well they put together some like turns and airs and stuff that are pretty compelling um but overall i don't know when i see one of those things come up on like an instagram feed i'm swiping quickly quickly beyond it 40 seconds or however long it is the wave is in 2021 is 
40 seconds too long. It really is a long time. I mean, I'm even swiping past most, like, Waco stuff. Like, I just, it's, you know, I'm just kind of, like, <laughs> immune to it in terms of, like, do I really need to see what's going to happen here? No, but... Again, I understand the value of it for, like, the sport and the future and everything. So, like, I'm totally fine with it. But is it, like, an entertainment spectacle? I'm like, ah, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see the new faces and how they deal with it. I saw a clip of Isabella Nichols on her Instagram today. And for a first time out there, she looked like she'd fit into the wave perfectly, which it's a hard thing to do. The, the wave, it looks obviously perfect and it is perfect but it's such a different wave that i think that um i wouldn't be surprised to see a few of the the rookies on tour um you know struggle it's you know with the limited amount of warm-up waves that you're getting it's a really really tricky wave to navigate and um yeah i think that'll be the challenge for the for most of them okay i have two questions one in your years coaching there did you get to surf the wave yourself I did, yeah. Okay. How'd you go? Um, I didn't get a heap of opportunities, so I didn't want to blow it. And I got a fairly good leggy barrel on one of the rights. And then I didn't do a turn at all because what's the point? I'm not trying to get a nine. I just wanted to make sure I got the vision. And then um, a couple of backside slaps on the left. Okay, cool. And my other question is, when you are coaching someone out there, like what are most surfers doing or what are you telling Malia? Are you telling her to watch the fence post to see what number she's at so she knows what section is coming? Or is it not that like technical? Like, is it more like, you know, you can do two or three turns and then the barrel and then you do, you know, four turns and then the other barrel. Like, is it more of a feel thing or is it like, like quantified in terms of like those fence posts and the numbers and the sections they represent it's definitely quantified but not by the fence posts okay are you gonna uh continue with that or is that a trade secret every wave out there's different it might not look like that on the webcast but there's different elements to it and i think an easy way to describe it is probably the left and we'd kind of develop the lingo of you can get a high tide left which foams a lot at the start and if you get that left, you're stoked because it actually runs closer to the fence, which means there's more water in the wave and the wave's bigger and you can carve and bring your nose back around a lot more. But if you stand up on a left, which you don't know straight away, and it's a quote unquote low tide left, you better be prepared to be doing a lot of speed generation and not a lot of your turns are going to be able to be brought all the way back around. So if you're too fixated on the fence posts or the tube section or any one part in particular and the rest of the ride ends up playing out different to what you'd thought you'll you'll see people come unstuck this week with it it's it's not the same wave every single time the right is a little more consistent but there's still waves within the right where if you're too fixated on one particular outcome you'll you'll butcher it so i still think the cool thing about that pool ranch place is that instinctual surfing still matters you still have to go with what's happening right in front of you and not be too premeditated and with the right the trickiest thing about the right 
is that sometimes the barrel at the start runs off and runs really high up the wave. So you have to stay in the tube and come out at the top of the barrel, not at the bottom. And there's a few different little cues that you can look for to see that that's going to happen. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've definitely seen the left thing you were talking about before. I remember a wave of Kelly at one point where it looked like he was like in at risk of hitting the fence. Like he, some of them really push over there. Um, and I totally see what you're saying too about the speed and how it allows you to kind of like do more like, you know, longer turns, you know, and more angular turns rather than having to just like force little taps up into the lip the whole time. Um, I guess too, like though what you were saying about like not having that much premeditation, like to me, when I think of like Kanoa and Griffin and Felipe, that right, their whole wave is predicated upon two things. One, the third turn on the opening section, which is just a nose pick reverse, basically. That's how they like kind of set themselves apart. And then that last air on the end, like those are the two points of that right, in my eyes at least, where you can actually make a big difference. There's obviously the middle section where you can do slightly sharper snaps or maybe fit in like a big down carve that looks cool or whatever. But for the most part, those are the two points on the right that stand out to me as kind of like the money makers. And then on the left, there appears to be a part kind of in the middle of the wave where guys like Yago and Gab and... Italo hasn't had much success out there, but I could see him utilizing this as well, where it gets a little bit of that crumble and slows down and you can like do a big finner or an air or something. Is that kind of how you think of those two waves as well? Definitely. Um, I'd like to add to the right, there's a big carve in the right and it's generally right before the last barrel. So that, it comes back to instinctually if you think you're far enough out on the face to rip your shoulders all the way back around and have the nose go back towards the foam where you came from it then sets you up for that last barrel to just be marginally deeper than everyone else um and that's the best way to enter a tube and a surfer like Seabass did that amazingly so that's like another point in the wave where you can you can maximize it but this is all so easily said and so hard to do because if you go late snap, late snap, then you start second guessing yourself, am I far enough out to do that turn? Probably not. So then you do a safety turn, then you end up out running the barrel and then you realize that. So you know you're probably going to get a five. So you try an air and if you're not an air guy, you usually fall and then your whole wave's just ruined. So the timing of that wave is so important from start to finish and your legs are dead by the end. Absolutely fried. Mm. We've seen a few of the women do airs on the end section. Um, I think Lakey, Carissa, Caroline, maybe a couple others. Um, I know that Malia, she's not necessarily like an air surfer, but she does kind of have that little like rail grab, fin throw air sort of thing. She's been doing that for a long time. Is that something that you would tell her to do in like a, you know, you need like an 8.5? Or is that something that you would tell her to like do preemptively? Like, you know, just fucking commit. If you fall, you fall. If not, it's the last maneuver. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, no, nah, it is a big deal. You need to finish on your feet. It's like your classic judging conundrum where it shouldn't really matter that much, but it definitely does. And, and for her, a big layback is probably a better way or any of the surfers that are kind of 50-50 on that air game. 50-50 is probably even generous, actually. I'd even say that most of them are probably 80-20. Um, you know, Millie is probably in that range as well, where it does a lot for your confidence to put one on the board early. 
you get a few opportunities at it. And if you need to build on a score from there, that's usually where you're going to see the surfers do it. Um, it's... There's do you a, know there's how a the lo- format works this year? Um, I am assuming it's like previous years where they block you into brackets of six. So you're in a heat with other surfers, but it's still a leaderboard style thing where the number one seed drops last and the lowest seed drops first. And it works forward from there. And they would take the top, I believe, eight into the quarterfinals. So it's pretty cutthroat. And then from there, they section out the rest to who gets ninth, who gets equal 17th, and four surfers get equal 33rd. Yeah, I'm not seeing a ton about it on the site. Um, like when I go to the WSL event heat draw, it kind of just has like left one, right one, left two, right two, left three, right three. Um, do you think that? Because I- in previous years, you can go straight to the quarters on your first two waves. Everyone can. Everyone has that opportunity. But usually it, it plays back and forth. You know, the leaderboard moves around a fair bit. But if you were super strong on your opening two waves of the whole event, you're straight into an equal fifth. All right, so let's talk about this cast of characters that we have coming into this event because we've had more pullouts than any event that I can remember in history, really, of of the CT, um, of, you know, like lifelong competitors pulling out and giving space to some fresh names. So on the women's side, um, we had Tyler Wright and Macy Callahan pull out. Um, I assume that's because basically they didn't have to go to El Salvador because they weren't part of the Olympic squad. So they didn't want to fly over to the U.S. and then have to quarantine on the way back for one event. Um, but it is interesting in like Tyler's case because she presumably still wants to win a world title this year. And she's still right in the middle of that race, as we talked about in the last episode. So how do you feel about that call from Tyler? Is that just confidence that she'll be able to like perform well enough and Mexico and Chopu that she's like, you know, I'm going to make the top five anyway, I don't care. Or is it just kind of indifference on her end, do you think? Uh, it's just such a hard year to c- comment on anyone's sort of personal decisions when I'm not really that close to her camp. Um, I, I think the quarantine for the Aussies, I know you're giving me shit about it, um, but I'm still going to stick up for them when I say it's a pretty big deal. Sitting in a hotel room by yourself for two weeks, more than three times in a year, is um unless you're Paul Fisher, I don't think you you're really capable of pulling that off. And I think <laughs> if I'm to make a, a punt, it would it would be that Tyler's confident enough to um you know take the wave pool as one of her throwaways, which she's already got a couple of them, but be confident enough in the the remainder of the events to be able to pull this off. My only concern is though with how sort of up in the air the whole year's been to be missing events when you're trying to go for a title is is dangerous because um we obviously just don't know what's around the corner every every week and one thing about the surf ranch with how controlled it is you guaranteed you go there it's gonna run and yeah that's a good point i mean you look at like brazil just got officially canceled um we know that's off the tour now mexico you know they say that they're running it i'm still a little bit skeptical based on what i've heard it could totally happen though or it could not, you know what I mean? If then Tyler misses the pool and Mexico, all she's left with is Chopu, which to be fair, she's probably better in a better position than a lot of women out there just in terms of her skill set. But I just, I wouldn't want to leave that up to chance if 
you know, surfing was my number one priority and becoming a world champion and all that. So, and then Macy, on the other hand, she is on that verge of like wanting to requalify. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a lot to think about. And to be fair, when we had that original conversation about hotel quarantine, I hadn't done one myself. I just did one a couple weeks ago and it was only five days long and it was with my partner and it was really, really hard <laughs> and the food was really, really bad. So I do have a bit more sympathy for them now. But at the end of the day, this is kind of their career and more than a career, it's like their passion and what they have trained their whole lives for. So no like super hard judgment necessarily, but it is, you know, interesting to think about. For sure. And I think Macy's kind of on the other side of that coin where it's really hard one for her because she's probably been surfing or not probably without a doubt been surfing the best she has on tour. But the results just haven't been there. So she's probably looking at her year going, you know, it's probably challenger series for Mace after this. So she's probably saving her energy for a big back half of the year. I'm sure she will be competing in the other events to finish out the, the CT season. But just the way that the, the tour is for the surfers who aren't going to Japan for the Olympics, if you are Australian and you leave Australia now, the smartest bet is to not come home until December. Yeah, which is pretty... Well, oh, wow. Yeah, because they have then Hawaii is in, like, the start of the 2022 season would be in December. Fuck, that's pretty heavy. I don't think people would do that, though, right? Even if they, like, if they surfed in lowers, that's in, like, early September. You've still got a few months between... Like, you'd go home between then, wouldn't you? Not if you're someone like Macy, you're on the Challenger Series. So you're oh, straight right. into it. You have a, you have a 12-month season. So yeah. this new format's really, really good for the for the top end of town, which it should be. They deserve a break. A twelve month season's pretty next level, but for the crew that are you know doing the double duty, that won't really change for them. They're still going to have big years on the road. Um, they just won't be taking two board bags everywhere. It'll be one year you'll be taking your CT board board bag, and the back half of the year you'll be taking your QS board bag. Yeah, which then brings us to. The biggest pullout in my eyes uh, being Julian Wilson, who was already in the Americas competing in the ISA World Games because he's on Team Australia for the Olympics. And he decided to pull the plug on Surf Ranch, which historically he's done pretty well at. Um, I think he's made the final series in both CT events. Um, he's been basically one stomp away from winning a couple of them. And um, he's obviously not had his best season. I think he just made his first quarterfinal at Rotnest. And, you know, he's, he's easily within the qualifying picture. But if you take away the surf ranch, you just never know who can jump ahead of you. And then he's looking at a, a life career decision. Like, does Julian Wilson chase the QS if he falls off the CT? And I just, I don't know if I see that. So, um, yeah, Jules obviously wanted to get home um i think he's probably currently in quarantine right now so maybe he's listening to this podcast to maintain his sanity <laughs> in which case what's up julian but yeah it's a pretty heavy decision i don't know what do you think yeah they're on day six i actually spoke with b derbridge today and and he's they're doing it pretty tough like his room has a window that opens 10 inches and that's about it i don't know if julian ended up in a suite or something but yeah old turbo's in a in a bit of a shoebox but they're about to tick over the halfway mark and then getting back to julian's decision i think 
Um, it's sort of similar to the Tyler Art scenario when I think that Julian would back himself in to stay on tour with the events that are remaining. And his situation's a little different to Tyler's in that he can focus his attention on an Olympic goal, which with him not being really in the title race this year is probably a pretty sound strategy really when you've got, you know, a young family at home and a big opportunity. I know he'll want to be preparing every way possible to to get ready for that and yeah, Surf Ranch just doesn't fit the box for him at the moment. Yeah, I, I that's a really good point. I think the Olympics would be the one thing that it sounds kind of harsh, but would like really kind of like salvage a career that probably didn't go quite the way that he wanted. Like he was the hottest talent out of Australia, you know, in the past two decades, probably, or one decade at least. Um, and, you know, he got close to a world title at least one time. Um, but he, you know, he just, he's fallen off a bit in recent years. And, you know, like we've talked about before, he lost his main sponsor. His surfing hasn't just simply had the spark that it it once did. Um, And I think if he was able to pull off an Olympic gold, he could probably hang it up there. Like he'll be set financially. He'll be swimming in probably like, you know, six figure deals for the rest of his life. And he can feel that sense of like true accomplishment like yes i i may not have done this one thing that i really felt like i wanted to do but i'm the first surfing gold medalist my name will go down in history um and i think that would be huge for him but he's got to overcome medina and italo in probably small beach break conditions which is going to be tough yeah i mean he's got to overcome a lot a host of good surfers um i just think there's a few people in our world that really suit olympian behind their name and people like sally fitzgibbons and julian wilson are those two type of characters yeah it's it's funny but it's true like <laughs> this is just like such a cash cow for these surfers it's pretty crazy like just here at least that's what happens in a lot of other sports and i hope it's the same for surfing um especially when you look at like the list of olympians now um I mean, there's surfers from so many different countries that a lot of them, you know, have never even held a place on tour. Like I look at the the women's side, there's a few surfers from Costa Rica. Actually, I guess Brisa has been on tour. She's from Costa Rica. But there's a woman from Ecuador. There's a woman from Israel. Um, And on the men's side, you have a surfer from Indonesia. You have surfers also from Peru who have probably definitely been on tour in the past i would imagine um and i don't know it's just cool to think that like a lot of these surfers that might not even be like huge names to us are going to have an opportunity to represent their country and hopefully bring a lot of freaking money home (laughs) I, i think that's the best thing about surfing right like the best person in their country is going to get a chance to showcase um their their skills and and i mean that for you know your countries such as like your Central Americas and and you know other countries in Europe that might not get the limelight shined on them as much as the most popular ones. So Indonesia for the gold for me. Like if if Rio Waida stands on that podium, that's like going to be life changing for him. Oh my god! And he actually could like, you know, he's yeah. not quite at that Gabby Italo level, unlike probably, you know air completion rate maybe but he's just as fast as those guys and if he gets going on a few good waves he could put up eights and nines in a small beach break all day long totally agree yeah so i guess that's a good little segue into who do we like 
out there. Um, I guess this is one place where we really can look at history as a good indicator because, you know, the pipe masters can be a hundred different ways on any given year. Um, and granted, we still see a lot of similar people at the top, you know, Gabby, Jeremy Flores, John Florence and stuff. But this is an event where the wave, it really doesn't change. Um, so I think we could probably expect to see a lot of similar names on the podium as years past. But I don't know. Is that how you feel as well? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of room to move behind the top two. And that's that's probably where my attention is going to be on, on surfers like Griffin uh, and, and Kanoa. I, I, and I, I probably would put Griffin at the top of that pile. Like, I think that he's someone that hopefully can challenge right at the top of that leaderboard. That's a good point. And, and so on that point, what do you think about someone totally kind of like out of left field, but who's surfing to me seems to like suit this style wave, like an Eli Hanneman. Um, I don't know how much time he's spent in the pool, but as far as like air completion rate goes and also just being kind of like a quick nimble surfer, I feel like he's right up there as well. Do you think he has a chance against like the top men in the world or is he still going to kind of look like a kid out there? Um, he's definitely grown up a lot in the last 12 months. Uh, I'm just not so sold on air being what makes this wave. Uh, you can take a surfer like Kolohe as a perfect example. Like, he does a big blow tail at the end of the right and still doesn't get above a 7-7. The, the wave, the pool is about power and speed. And if you can flare on the end, great. But a surfer like Seabass would traditionally outscore Kolohe. And I think that's a good indication of how you need to surf the pool. You need to be, you know, like I mentioned earlier, instinctual, gouging, cracking the lip as hard as you can and still maintaining that down-the-line speed without it being a check turn. So they're the kind of styles of surfer that I think is more like underdoggy that could do quite well. And I think Morgan is probably someone who could fit into that bracket <laughs> as much as he's been oh my God. Un underdogging the whole year. But like this, the pool, the right for him, and, and he's got a great backhand. The only thing stopping these rookies is just sheer wave count. So... Some insight to that would be surfers like Ryan Callanan and Ethan Ewing were on the same trip that I was on a couple of years ago with Surfing Australia, and we were lucky enough to have a few days there training. So obviously Ryan and Ethan have been on the tour before, but when they were on the tour, the wave pool was not an event. So they're going in pretty green, but not as green as some of the rookies who have never ever stepped foot in there before because the wave itself is an absolute minefield mm. if you've never how many there. waves are surfers getting in the lead up to the event i believe 16 oh that's a lot eight eight rights and eight lefts that's a shit ton with hopefully a couple of poachers if your guy falls when you're surfing yeah right no i think that that's that's pretty solid like if you don't have a good feel for the wave after eight in each direction i don't think you're gonna get it yeah it's 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 just it's sheer numbers though like if if you're going up against this person who's had 32 i'm going the person mm. with or like kelly well, oh. yeah i mean the the funny thing with him is that the whole him surfing at night <laughs> no, I'd, I'd never heard that until until you guys hit him up <laughs> i think ashton hit him up in japan and i'd i'd never even heard that as being a a, a thing like a 3 a.m surf session for him but he got so defensive about it that it kind of made me think that oh maybe it, maybe it is a thing <laughs> 
uh, I mean, and, and as much like it is still also like you just can't not laugh at the fact that like of course Kelly's coming back for the pool event. Like there could be so many factors that it's like yes, his foot is healed and blah blah blah. Like all these very logical reasons, but it's like of course Kelly's coming back for the pool event, right? I really don't think he needs a logical explanation for it we've, we've just seen multiple surfers pull out of events recently because they don't want to do the quarantine and if he didn't want to come to australia and do the two-week quarantine i can't argue with that it, the the only difference thing for him there would be that he had he missed four events um but he was probably hedging his bets that some of them were going to get cancelled anyway uh you could talk about him having the confidence to make the five with what events are left uh, mathematically pretty improbable but if anyone could go third at the surf ranch really good in mexico and then win tahiti it's kelly slade agreed um but if he doesn't say he doesn't crack the top 22 or whatever the cutoff is um are you still giving him the injury wild card obviously along with probably kolohe i'm giving him he's requalifying if you if you go off stats of the pool which we spoke about with the top guys earlier like kelly's getting fifth at the pool I think mm. M- minimum. Yeah, he always does amaze me his ability yeah. to pull that off. Cause I guess yeah, it really is just like wave knowledge, and he he throws some like unique turns in there, which I think catch the judge's eye because they're just so used to seeing the same kind of monotonous three maneuvers on every wave, and he does things totally. a little bit different, which um, I can totally understand how that tips mm. the scale sometimes. So yeah, but I guess you kind of would give him the wild card though, right? If he wants it. Who, who else is injured? Him and Kolo. Yeah, and, I, I would give him the wild card Kolo, forever yeah. at this point. Yeah, because John yeah. will requalify naturally. Um, and I don't even think anybody else has had like a legitimate string of injuries oh, well, this year. On that note, but, I'd like to welcome back our boy Ace Bucken, who will be surfing in the event after a really bad wipeout in WA. So I was stoked to see that. So I know that we spoke about him deserving to retire surfing and i think that it's looking like he he will whether he requalifies or not I'm, I'm not too sure how that's looking for him i don't think it's looking too great but at least he'll be able to surf his way and uh show show what he's got to give in the in the in the end rather than just retiring because he got hurt like that would suck yeah and with i mean he he's actually made the final series at the pool before and we know what he's capable of at chopes and we know how good his backhand is like if these three events run, I don't really see him falling off, to be honest. Um, I guess another person to keep an eye on, though, is Michelle Berez, who just had to pull out of the wave pool event due to a neck injury. So I hope he's better um, at the very least for the Olympics because obviously that would be the most soul-crushing probably for him to miss that opportunity. But, uh, yeah, Michelle Berez, everybody else who's hurt, get well soon, boys. Oh, Jordy. Jordy Smith is out. Jordy Smith got a knee surgery out of nowhere. Like, what do you think he's then? Like, I mean, again, I obviously did this whole speculative series of stories about John John's knee surgery. Um, and I don't want to do that again with Jordy. But um, yeah, like, I don't know how quickly he can come back from that either. He's obviously scheduled to surf in the Olympics. He had to know that getting that surgery, like, he, he wants to be back for that. So I'd imagine it's not that intensive a surgery. But uh, yeah, a lot of things going on in professional surfing right now. I know you're on holiday, but your story on John's knee without really knowing what he'd done was actually pretty close from what I'd read. Your speculations were were 
if you look back in hindsight, you were you were pretty bang on. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I talked to a few medical professionals along the way, so that was mostly their knowledge and me just sharing it. But yeah. Isn't that how it always works, Mikey? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's never me. It's always a little birdie. Um, but um, yeah, I don't think Geordie's one's too bad. It's probably just a good time to get the old clean up. And uh, yeah, again, Geordie Smith, Olympian. It just sounds like, you know, public speaking for the next 30 years. Okay, so if you could bet on surfing, which I know obviously you can't for myriad reasons, how much money would you put on Gabriel or Felipe winning this event? Well, I can only pick one, um, and I would pick Gabriel. All right, well, then I'll go Felipe just to keep it fun. And I know he hasn't done well out there in the past, but we can't forget about Idolo. Iago, as you also mentioned, is shouldn't even really be a dark horse because he's so good on that left, but I guess it's just a matter of how he goes on the right. No, I don't want to. I don't want to pick the top dog. I'm picking Griffin. That's my. You're pick. picking Griffin. Okay. Yeah. I'm picking Felipe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're not allowed to pick number one. That's kind of the rule, right? Yeah, that is the rule. Um, okay. You were just asking me out of those two, but getting back to getting back to Italo. Italo's got three points to make up on the left if he wants to be competitive. Yago has got about two points to make up on the right if he wants to be competitive, and that's the cool thing about the pools. You can just look at the numbers. What Yago's done in his time away since that last event was spend a shit ton of time going right. So if there's anyone that's looking to build their score there, it's certainly, certainly Yago. Italo's kind of just the same psycho super talent that we've always seen. I, I don't know that what he's going to do differently on that left. It's just like he's so charged up. He's fueled on that much Red Bull that the left, you need to take your time and you need to draw some things out. And if you don't, you, you, you're not going to get above a seven. So I'm really interested to see what new things he's going to add to his game to end up in the quarterfinals because I, I, I'm not sure that he's ever been there before. No, he hasn't. Um, but I would wager that he will this time. I think he's good enough to figure it out. Um, I have a question on specific maneuvers, though. So we've seen Gabby... Uh, in the past couple of years really hold down that end section on the left with the corrupt thing. Do you think he needs to change that this year or can he just stick with that eternally and keep getting nines on it? I don't think he ever should have been getting nines in the first place, if I'm, to be honest with you. Um, that air is technically... Fuck, I can't do them to save my life, but I know crew that can, and that's technically one of the easier airs you could ever do on a surfboard. A tail low double grab alley oop. Will he change? I don't think he will. Why would you change your winning formula? Um, I think a big straight air on that end section would be way harder to do because of the grain of the wave and how it breaks. It's kind of easy just to keep spinning that way because of the way of the shape of the barrel, but he's talented enough to do whatever he wants on but that. But how's it? So he'll figure it out if he's behind. I'm sure he's got a plan B, but his plan A will still be. Like, I've seen his warm-up waves. He's still doing it. So I don't know. I don't know what else. Yeah. If he's mm. doing it in the warm-up, he's mm. definitely doing it in the contest. Um, but how is it when he comes out of it with so much speed that he's able to do that full roundhouse to, like, a rebound? Remember when he did the rebound with the reverse still? Oh, his whole, his whole, his whole act is but, incredible. I'm, I'm being hypercritical of that one air, but... It's like if Julian lands one of those massive varials, there's no comparison 
at all. It's a different sport. And that's why I think that in the past, there hasn't been a lot of room left at the top of the scale for that. But you know what? It's probably going to be up to Yago um, to really, or I think Owen, potentially, to show some sort of variety there that puts them on top of the left. Um, I still think both of those services... What could Owen do? Owen could rip the wave before that air section harder than Gabriel, potentially. More, more variety, I think. But he's not as strong as Gabby. Gabby's so fucking strong. It's wild. And getting to specifics, it's something that I should have said earlier when we were talking about the wave and its characteristics. But if you're listening to this and then you end up watching Gabby's waves in the pool, look at where he takes off on the right. He takes off and goes straight to the bottom and goes straight into a turn. And it's because he's sitting so far down in the pool. Whereas you'll see a lot of other surfers, Philippe is the polar opposite. Philippe stands up on the wave before it's even broken. And he'll do two or three turns that are not of any scoring consequence before his first major maneuver. And that's just how clever Gabby is. Like, he's just got the place so fucking yeah, it's wide. Fucking, it's amazing. But I also, like... Back to the point on Julian, I agree. And then I think Yago's capable of doing a giant frontside um, burial as well on that left. And then one of my favorite waves that I've seen surfed out there is when Felipe's, I think it's, it's when his back was broken and he just did a shove it and pulled into the barrel switch. I was like, I kind of want to see, like, I, I'm torn of like, is that too novelty or is that like actually like kind of fucking impressive in the future? I wanted him to make that wave so bad because I was just had no idea where the score would go with it. Mm, me too. Like he'd obviously come out and not do a turn, so that's going to take away from it a little bit. But as far as like variety is concerned, no one had done that before, so it's got to be the top of the variety pile. Yeah. Um, so then we have the women. Um, give me a name for the women that is not Carissa um, Moore. It'd be about time for Caroline Marks to step up again, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, I kind of had her as well. Um, she's pretty damn good out there. You let me go first on the blokes. I can let you go first on this one if you want. You can pick your fellow East Coaster. Yeah, I'm taking Caroline because her okay. backhand needs no uh, explanation. And she has she has a real air that she can do on the end section, which I know that you say that it's not about airs, but I think especially in women where that is a true point of difference, like judges can't say no to that on the end section. I feel like she's getting an eight minimum if she pulls off something good there. You can definitely salvage a ride with an air. Um, I'm not, I'm not discounting that, but I just think that you've got to do a lot of fucking work beforehand if you want to get a nine and I'm yeah. So no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, with my pick, I'll go with, I'll go with Sal. Okay. Nice. The national pick. Um, and we also, I feel like we haven't talked about Steph at all. Like Steph, she, I don't think she's like done that well in this event, but God, watching her put one of those rights together sometimes is just so poetic and beautiful. I would like almost rather watch her than anyone. I think she got second out there one year. Uh, and and it, it, that I think her on the right, the, the wave was just built for her, really. The way she puts it together. Um no air, um, all just pure rail carving and barrel clinic. Um, yeah, it's certainly uh, certainly something that you could just sit back and, and enjoy. And then for her, I think something fun for her, like she's improved so much going left over the years and I think she'll be looking forward to like hopefully showcasing that again. Oh, yeah, you're right. She did. She got second one year. 
the first year, 2018. She got second. Lakey got third, controversially. I think even even Steph kind of thought, I remember the scores were getting read out, and Steph was kind of like, oh, a third will do. And Lakey didn't get the score on her last left, where she got kind it. of belted yep. it. Okay, good call, good memory. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I guess to counter your point a bit, I would say that the left is where Steph is probably that's your weak point out here as it is as we've seen this year kind of throughout the tour um so i don't know if she like got at her at this at this stage in her career do you think she even thinks like i need to get better at lefts or she's just like ah like <laughs> i'm fine like i'm good enough at it <laughs> i know it's not my strong suit but I, i'm not gonna sit here and train for like six hours a day trying to perfect the backside snap <laughs> i don't know she's a hard one to pick i, I definitely know she's competitive and competitive enough to want to beat people um if she's got the energy anymore to really care i don't know but i still would go with yes you don't really lose that competitive fire um so but at this point in her career maybe she's just focusing more on herself sounds super cliche but i think she knows that there'll be a lot of work to go into it if she really wanted to get into that nine realm like say a lakey but she might be happy just to put up a couple of high sevens and low eights and hopefully secure a podium finish that way. But I think the way that the, the women are surfing, you know, particularly Carissa and uh, Lakey when she's at full health, you kind of need 18 points plus to win the thing. So even if, even if Steph gets a nine, five plus on the right, she's still obviously going to need to really take yep. it left. And um, I guess she too is in that position where, she knows that if she gets into lowers and that there's swell, to me, it's kind of between her and Carissa. I guess I would maybe put Caroline in that discussion um, just because her back end is so strong. But, like, if it's a good lowers day, which it should be if they only need one day to run an event, um, I think she knows that if she even if she finish, finishes in the middle of that top five pack or whatever, like, she's going to have a good chance to get Carissa in in three heats and and i think that that would be probably the pinnacle of like women's performance surfing like great lowers steph versus carissa i couldn't really imagine actually a better situation that'd be that. that'd be pretty cool um i think that um the, the tempo of the wave and, and how the women are surfing it's just lowers is the the place where they can show everything they've got um, and, you know, I think yeah. you could argue the men have probably, you know, it was the best wave in the early 2000s for the men. There's probably better air ramps around the world now for them. But I think with the way that the, the women are showing the variety and what they're made of, it's like, man, that wave is so All fun. right. Well, I think that's everything unless you got something else for me, Stace. Any little secrets you want to drop here at the end for the real loyalist listeners? <laughs> um i wish i could i wish i could drop some sort of massive bombshell um oh is jack robinson gonna ride your board in the wave pool i don't know i've heard it's in the board bag and it's made its way to the pool uh and look i'd be stoked if he did i'm not gonna lie it'd be a pretty cool story if he rode that board so i know he really liked it and i know he took it with him um so we'll we'll just have to we'll just have to wait and see. Um I wonder I wonder I don't know if he surfed it in the ocean or anything or he's just icing it for the pool. 
he should have had a few warm-up surfs at this point. They've had two practice days over there, and um, I haven't seen any clips or haven't had any text messages, so maybe he's saving it for his last last warm-up day. Yeah, so we're talking about that, uh, that Sharp Eye Inferno 72 that um, it won Taj's Stab in the Dark, and then Stace has been doing his, his Joyride on one. That's about to come out soon, so keep your eyes peeled. Um, and basically looked extremely fiery under Stace's feet, so much so that Jack Robinson asked him to use it, and he rode a couple waves at Snapper and loved it and just stole it right off you. So um, apparently it's made its way to the U.S., and I would, that would be a pretty mental story to see it pop up in the pool. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be tripping. I'd be, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty chuffed. I'll definitely be getting up at 3 a.m. to, to watch Robbo's waves for sure, just to see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, all right Stacy. well until next yeah, time yeah well actually before I let you go I'd just like to sign off with I wonder if anyone in the Sharp Eyed team is going to ride their Inferno 72 in the pool that will be more of an overall comment to see um, you know what we're feeling about that board because I know that a lot of the local surfers around here have been riding them and it looks really good on the point at Snapper and the wave pool is built off the green mounts kind of snapper section so i wonder i wonder if anyone um is gonna gonna win yeah i hope Kanoa does uh yeah spectacular little surfboard i've been riding one as well Mm. and it is so fast and so loose and so fun so perfect for the pool i i think i would ride that in the pool if i got to surf there again um yeah and i would love to see jack on it i think that would be freaking show stopping how do you go out there where's your clips at oh they're they're floating around in indonesia it's funny though it was like exactly what you said i it felt so good it felt better than any of the other boards that i've had or any board that i've had in a long time actually it just felt so fast and so alive and so electric and then i would get on like a good steep one and i just like i would either have to baby it or i would consciously not baby it and it would just kind of like release and slide out um so i've been playing with a few different like fin setups and stuff to try to get it under control but it really just does feel like a board that's made for kind of like average surf once it gets into like a good wave it just it's a little bit too alive it's like fucking eat to low mm. <laughs> it's just like chill out <laughs> yeah it's just fired off on fucking red bull and coffee but uh, yeah that, i felt the same thing and i think that sharp eye has the craziest range of boards like if the waves were getting to that point which they quite often are on the ct in particular you just jump on a 77 and you know you're gonna you know it's gonna hold in but yeah in the smaller stuff the speed generation on the inferno 72 was nuts yeah it's absurd um Mm. sweet deal i was good to chat thanks for letting me interrupt your holiday um and congratulations by the way um dropping the knee you had a, you had a knee surgery moment as well so congratulations on that <laughs> thank out. you yes it's been a it's been a great little holiday and i was happy to uh, meet you in the middle here so um until next time stacy we'll see if history repeats itself at the pool Agreed.